still does miracles. Amen. There are many needs that need a miracle this morning. Amen. That we just want to remember as we worship together. Maybe you could just play in Christ alone, Brother Ben. We do want to greet you all this morning in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be here with you. Good to be gathered again. Amen. I don't necessarily want it to be cliche, but I, I thought it was good that we just carry these requests in our heart, even as we were, as I was thinking of these songs, and where the last verse says, Jesus commands my destiny. I thought, what a rest that we have as children of God, and thinking of the believers in the Ukraine, and seeing the pictures of, you know, children just hiding with blankets and a little heater, and how blessed we are to be here this morning, and how we can just enter into that burden for our brothers and sisters, and just a war-torn area, and that God would be with them that he would be that cornerstone and that solid ground that's firm through the fiercest drought or storm. Amen. That's what our brothers and sisters over there need. There's great needs for healing also, but we know that God is in control. Amen. So we just want to worship together and we can sing, In Christ Alone, My Hope is Found. 
In Christ alone, my hope is found. Yes, He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, so firm through the fiercest drought and storm. One heights of love, what depths of He's my comfort.
until he returns or calls me home, I will stand in that power of Christ. Hallelujah. You are my refuge, Lord, and you are my Savior. of Ukraine is being bombarded right now and there are believers there just asking we would remember them so this is present moment saints God we want to see God move on their behalf and that most whatever happens we just want them to have a peace knowing that they are resting in the arms of God and then also our brother Curtis Clausen just wrote in for sister Laura Collins in Edmonton We've been remembering her but they're saying the doctors cannot offer any more treatment and believe she only has a few days left to live husband brother Ryan still has strong faith and they are praying for a complete healing We've spoken to others about it and they're saying that sister Laura just has a peace about it and she still believes God can heal her in a moment if he decides to take her at this time we just desire that God would be with the family in a supernatural way we know how many times we hear in the message where someone would just rise up from that bed completely healed limbs that had no strength able to walk able to play a piano able to worship God our God can do that and we rest in the fact that he does all things well. As for God, his way is perfect. Amen. And also our brother Henry, we just want to hold him up. Brother Henry Waldner, that God would be with him and the family. And again, we just want to see the supernatural in our midst. Amen. Let's just sing this together. I stand in awe. We'll just continue to worship and let the glory of the Lord come down. Amen. And that's where he moves. Amen. I stand in awe within the presence of He's the 
department enter, would you come please? Open the service for us in a word of prayer. Take these needs before the Lord. If there's a request in your heart, a need saints, you can just let that be known with an upraised hand. Thank you, Brother Ricardo. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, the song that says in moments like these, we just lift up our hands, Father. We raise our eyes and we lift our voice to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, and we just want to come before your throne of grace this morning, Father. We've, we've asked so much, Lord, and as Samson said, Father, one more time, we just want to bring our petition before your throne, Father. Lord, not all of us maybe have needs, but Father, if one in the body suffer, then we all suffer. And so, Lord, this morning we want to unite our hearts for these requests, Father, for the believers in Ukraine. Lord, it's, it's a different part of the world that's so far away, and yet it touches each and every one of us, Father, because we feel the body, Lord. And we want to be sensitive to the Spirit, Father, that thinking back about the Jews, Lord, and how it was a tender hand of Jehovah. Father, we don't know what the plan is, but Father, we have confidence in what you have need of, Lord, and what you want to accomplish through this, Father. And may your kingdom come, Lord. May your will be done, Father, in earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, we just want to come before you for those believers, the ones that maybe are in fear. May you give them strength, Father. May you give them faith like the saints of old, Lord, to stand on your word and say, we believe the Lord, Father. We also want to think about the ones that have a need in the body, Lord. Brother Henry, Sister Laura, Father. Lord, as anoint our faith to believe, Father, but more importantly, may you anoint their faith to believe, Lord. To take up their bed and walk, Father, we have confidence in your word. As Brother Ryan has said, Lord, it's, it's not a hope so, it's not a thing so, it's we know so, Father. For that family, Lord, may you rejuvenate their faith. When it, when it seems the darkest, when it seems like our, all hope is lost, that's when you come on the scene, Father. We heard your prophet say it time and time again, Lord. So, Father, may you come on the scene this morning, Father, in that little home in Edmonton or Alberta, wherever it is, Father. Nothing is too small, nothing is too far. May you just come on the scene, Lord, and may you be get all the glory, Lord. We believe for a complete work. It's a finished work in my own hearts, Father. We just believe it's all gone. It's all done, Lord. And we just want to stand with it, Father. Stand with your word this morning. Most importantly, Father, for the, the preaching of the word this morning, come and change hearts. Come and change lives. Come and feed our hungry souls, Lord. May we just get more of you. We see the end approaching, and we just want to make sure there's nothing in front of us, nothing that's wrong for that wonderful and glorious day when we will cross the river, Father, when we cross that, that veil of time, Lord, and just be with you eternally. We just want to think about that. The man of God, may you move him aside, get him out of the way, Lord. May it be a wonderful blessing for your bride this morning. For the offering, Lord, may you bless it, multiply it, Lord, like the loaves of bread and the five, the fishes and the loaves of bread. Father, may you multiply it abundantly and may we just do whatever we can to use it for your kingdom. Bless, bless your service now this morning, Father, as we just commit it all to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. seats as we take up the morning offering let's just sing that chorus jesus jesus there's just something about that name 
Jesus, 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 there's just something about that day. He's my master, my Truly, there is no one like our God. We'll invite Brother Tim to come as he feels led. Feel the atmosphere is ready for the word this morning. And we can just sing together. He stretches the heavens. I just love to sing about who our God is. We sing about our needs. We sing about what he means to us. But there's something about just singing about who God is outside of everything else. Amen. Let's just sing this together. We'll invite Brother Tim to come. He stretches the heavens like curtains before him he forms every star and he calls them by name he does not grow weary his strength knows no end the greatness of our God none can comprehend who is like Oh, who is like unto 
Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, just thinking before stepping out here, Lord, what light, what wisdom, what great things you have revealed in these last days. That we might stand under the light of them, O oh God. That we might walk in the power of them. O oh Father, the mystery of the Creator, the very one who made heavens and earth, that you would reveal your thoughts to a people in these last days, that you would withhold from all the ages since the fall. And yet, Lord, you said in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. In this day, Lord, you would unveil your mystery. Oh, Lord, we're not worthy. We humble, humbly bow our heads to the ground from which we came. Before the mighty one that stands in our midst. Lord, as you promised to be here. That makes a service, Lord. That's what this service is all about, that you might have control. We give the service to you, Lord. We ask that you'll just have your way. Take the few notes, whatever they're worth, the little studying, which is insufficient, Lord. And may you use it to glorify the name of Jesus Christ this morning. We prayed for the prayer requests, Lord, but we believe for them, Father. We believe for our brethren that are sick. We believe for our sisters that are sick. And they're believing, Lord. That's why the requests have come in. They're believing, Father. And Lord, it's our faith that energizes your supernatural power. That puts it into action, Lord. And causes the supernatural to take place. So Lord, may it be so not just for the requests but for everyone that's in this place, everyone that's watching, everyone that's partaking of this service, may they, Lord, be lifted up into heavenly places and commune with you and experience afresh your great power in their lives. We commit this service to you. We ask your blessing upon it now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms chapter 25 this morning. Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you to the musicians for your labors. Appreciate it very much. And uh, we're glad to be together in the house of the Lord this morning. Sometimes events just work out that you don't preach for a while. It's not that you don't want to, even though we might say we don't want to. It's not that others don't want you to, it's just events. And uh, so then we have to get back on the bicycle and remember how to do it. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking that this week. I was telling my wife, I really don't want to preach this morning. <laughs> you know, uh, we just appreciate all the services, all the ministries, all the gifts in the body of Jesus Christ and everything that they impart to the body. And we pray that God will give you something this morning as we're gathered together 
And we're turning to Psalms chapter 25, and uh, we've been here for three services now, and uh, this is really part three, but I just gave it a different title. I'm not really a part one, part two, part 300, part 500 uh, type of preacher. Uh, I think every service is unique in itself, and uh, we may or may not feel that it's all that important or that we have all that much to give, but we know that God has something that is special for each one of us this morning. If we can get ourselves out of the way, we just want God to have His way this morning. Are you glad to be here this morning? Amen. So let's read in the Bibles together. Psalms chapter 25 and verse 1. Unto Thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in Thee. Can you say that this morning? O my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on Thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Now, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, so let's just drop right down to verse 20. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Now, just by way of, of review, a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, we uh, took up this thought and, and we dealt in the first part uh, in the soul realm, and we're, we're staying in the soul realm, but we, we, we dealt with the subject of the soul is really who we are. And it's not our flesh, it's not our spirit, but that soul is the real you. And I just, by way of review, I'll just give you a couple of statements that I quoted from Brother Branham, one out of Future Home. He says, if you've got eternal life, there's only one form, and that's God. And you are an expressed attribute. The Holy Ghost is eternal. Then you are in eternity where you was all the time. But you just recognized what happened. See, you were made for an eternal purpose. Can you say amen to that? Because you was the manifestation of an attribute that was in God that thought of you and expressed you. And He made an earth to take you out of and to make you a human being. And sin come along and perverted His way. You come anyhow. But you was lost with the world, so He come and redeemed you, the expressed attribute, and also redeems the earth by the same way, then His purpose rolls on. Amen. So God has a purpose in us. In who is this Melchizedek? He said, being eternal with Him at the beginning, the eternal life that you had, His thought of what you was, He wanted me to stand in the pulpit, say. He wanted you to sit in the seat tonight. Then we are serving His eternal purpose. And the one that left home only come to the earth to serve his purpose. Is that right? 
All right, then after it's finished, it's brought back in a glorified state. It's matured and brought back again. So we're looking at a, a broader picture than just what happened to me yesterday, or, or just the current trial that I'm going through, or, or the battle that I have right now. You, you're probably in a battle right now, or you just came out of a battle, or you're just heading into a battle and you don't even realize it. That's what this earth, this life is all about. This life is a struggle. Because in this life, it's a building of character, which is a putting on of the mind of Jesus Christ for the attributes of God that we might be brought to the image that God had in his mind of us. Now remember that thought is eternal, and he always had that in his mind of us, but as Brother Branham said, we come by the way of sin, or rather because of the fall, we're born in sin, God's way was perverted, but God had a redemptive purpose in it all, knowing that in this happening, he could express himself to us as a Savior. We had to be lost for him to express himself as a Savior. We had to become sick for him to express himself as a healer. Aren't you glad that he made himself known to you as a Savior? How many can say amen to that this morning? Amen. Aren't you glad that he, he made himself known to you as a healer? How many say amen to that tonight or today? So we realize that we're partaking of the redemptive purpose that God had in his thoughts, and it's taking us from a fallen state and a birth that was not right through a new birth into the characterization of Jesus Christ right within our lives, the manifestation of the attribute or the nature and character of God within us. So we, that is our purpose. In part two, we talked about let me not be ashamed. And we spent a lot of time, and I, I thought after I walked away from the pulpit and sat in the office in the back, I thought, you know, if I would have just made this one sentence, I could have saved myself 20 minutes. You know, I don't know if it's that way with you brothers, but when I'm done preaching, I'm thinking, I sure could have said that better and saved a little bit of time, but that's, that's sometimes just the way it is. God, God, as much as He gives revelation, can also withhold because he wants us to labor in something. And that's sometimes the way it is in our own lives. And he, even if you're not a preacher, you realize there's an answer here, but I'm not seeing it. I believe God. I believe God is able to take me through this. Can you say amen to that? I believe God has the answer for this, but I'm not seeing it. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about uh, our, our health it doesn't matter whether we're talking about something that we're struggling with within our lives. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about somebody that we're believing for or somebody that we love that we want to see come to their potential in Jesus Christ. We're looking for the answer, but maybe sometimes we're not seeing it. It takes God to reveal it. He doesn't give us everything at the beginning. He leads us through a pathway, and that's why David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Amen. We walk by the way of the Word. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He's leading us through this life. Don't ever get discouraged. Don't ever let the devil get you down because you're going to have times where it seems like impossible and like God leading Israel to the Red Sea, he loves to lead his children into situations that seem impossible so he can show that he is God. 
So when you find yourself up against a mountain or up against a Red Sea, just lift your hands to him. And just say, oh, Lord, I'm here. It's going to take a miracle. But you can show yourself that you're God. You can show yourself in reality. Isn't that wonderful? And in that, and, and that sentence that I was thinking about was, you know, we are ashamed of things that took place in our flesh. Can you say amen to that? We are ashamed of things that take place in our spirit or our mind. We're ashamed of thoughts, evil thoughts that the devil plants there that tries to, take, tries to get us to take ownership of. We're ashamed of that. But in all of it, Lord, let not my soul be ashamed. I might have shame in these other two realms, but let me not have shame in my soul because my soul is the very purpose that I have been put here for. Let my soul come to its reality. Let my soul bring my life into position that God thought of me before the foundation of the world. So in many ways, we feel like our flesh or our spirit does not measure up to their potential. Can you say amen to that? I know I'd like to run 100 yards in nine seconds, but my, my flesh will never measure up to that potential. Somebody's going to do it. You know, there's great, I don't know how fast they run, nine seconds, eight and a half seconds, I don't know, somewhere in there. Seems like a lot of work for nine seconds. Just bang, it's over like that. It's like they spend their whole life laboring to get somewhere in nine seconds. That's a lot of work. I'll tell you what, I want to labor to spend eternity somewhere. That's where I, that's where I want to spend my time. And, and I, I might feel that my spirit, my mind does not measure up to its potential. Boy, do I ever. You know, I would like to understand all things. Yet the mind in itself is not the answer. Solomon gave himself to learning wisdom and to understanding the things of the world to who became known as the greatest, wisest man that ever lived. But a lot of it was just foolishness that led him down the wrong pathway into a situation where, you know, he got estranged from God till God had to divide the kingdom because of his foolish son and his decision. And, and you know, there's lots that we can say about that. But let my soul be all that God has called it to be. Praise God for the new birth. My soul was born in unbelief, but because of the new birth, the nature of my soul was changed to God's own nature, which is faith. And so that nature of faith now residing in me changes the tastes of my life, changes the desires of my life. There always was a deep calling, but now the very nature of my life is for godly things. That's why Brother Branham says, get the new birth. You'll smoke as much as you want to. You'll drink as much as you want to. The fact is you won't want to. He's talking about what you want to, not what your flesh wants to. Because the nature of the flesh isn't changed. I was talking to a brother about that the other day. Matter of fact, I talked to a few people about that lately. Talking about, you know, a person with the Holy Ghost, what kind of mistakes can they make in their flesh? I said, well, let me put it this way. I said, the flesh nature is not changed. 
Your flesh has not yet been changed. We have a promise that this mortal will take on immortality. The same immortality that resides in my soul. The flesh shall be changed. This corruption will put on incorruption. We shall be changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye. That's coming just any day now. I say, praise be to God. I can't wait for it. But it's not changed yet. I said, I said now when God changes the nature in your soul, the things that that unbelief in your soul once led you towards, you now hate. I said, you're, because your nature is changed. I, I said, now what? Now, for example, I says, if we could change the nature of the flesh, let's just take an example and, and say the flesh. If we could change our nature and our flesh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could change the nature of our flesh so that we didn't like the taste of sugar? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Some say, want a piece of cake? Nah. Want some ice cream? No. You, you want a donut? No, thanks. No, I don't like that stuff. Want some ketchup on that? No, I'm good. You know what I'm getting at. Because there's a taste in our flesh for sweet things. There's a taste in our flesh. And because we have a taste for sweet things, we all are in great shape. And we, we all have bodies that are in great shape. Amen. I won't call your name. <laughs> but that's the reality of it, isn't it? But if you could change the nature, then it changes the shape of the body. Because it changed the things that you desire. So if the soul is changed, the nature of the soul changed, then the, then the attributes of unbelief we desire no more. Because unbelief is gone. Smoking, drinking, lusting, adultery, uh, uh, worldly entertainments, all those kind of things, those are not sin. Those are attributes of sin. Get rid of the sin nature and you'll do those things no more. Are you with me so far? All right, so that's, we talked about that. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Amen. Do we act? We know that works is faith expressed. Therefore, what we do is an expression of our faith. Action. Whether that action is emotion, that in itself is not faith, but that can be an expression of faith. It can be an expression of other things as well. Uh, we put away the things of the world because faith becomes our nature. We don't have a desire. Things of the world leave. You get more of Christ, the more Christ you get, the more of the world leaves. It's just that simple. And so, so we, we do all these things because now the things that we have come to love are different than what we used to love, okay? But now if we love the things that we formerly did not and we hate the things that we formerly loved, but is it really because we love it? Or because he loves us. 
that we have changed? Do our, our works because of our love for him or because of his love for us? Let me put it in the, this way. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just kind of adds to the foundation. In the, in the gospel, Peter was asked, lovest thou me? But John, the disciple, always referred to the disciple whom he loved, referring to himself. Not the one who loved Jesus, but the one who Jesus loved. You see, so when we realize that the revelation that he deposits within our heart is not because we love him, but because he loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And he revealed himself to us. And even the new birth is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. And so in God dropping revelation into your life, it's not to make you love him, but it's because he loves you. But then because we, he loves us, we love him in return. And our actions, therefore, prove that we do indeed love him. Now, excuse me if I just kind of go down a little pathway here. Is this all right so far? Well, I guess even if it wasn't, I'm still here. Now, as a preacher, let you a little bit into the mindset, or at least my mindset. I, I always, that's one of the reasons I didn't want to preach this morning. I was like, Lord, I can't preach like these brothers. I'm not like them. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own gift. Everybody has their own makeup. And, and everybody feels inferior to the other. At least I do. And, you know, we, but we have to decide as preachers who we are preaching to. I came... And at home this morning, I was praying, Lord, I, I, I'm going to the pulpit with utmost respect for the woman that you love. This is the one that you gave your blood for. These are the people whom you care about individually. These are not just a bunch of sinners I'm preaching to. And, I, and I, I know what it is to preach to sinners. I do that overseas a lot. I know what it is to preach to denominational minds. We'll say Pentecostals. I know what it is. You know, Brother Branham preached a lot to Pentecostals who were not walking in the light of the end time message. I know what that is. Did a lot of that on my last trip to Uganda and, 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 and preaching to them. And so there. It's a, it's a certain type of ministry, and it's a certain type of atmosphere. And, and we have to kind of look at ourselves as preacher. At least I look at myself as a preacher, and I say, now, am I an angel that's going to Sodom, preaching to Lot and those that are lost? Or am I standing with Melchizedek, preaching to the seed of Abraham? I have to decide. I believe I'm preaching to the seed of Abraham. I believe I'm preaching to the elect of God. That's just the way I look at it. And, you know, it, it, and, whenever, and when God, I'm going to drop this in, and I don't mean this to step on anybody's toes, but maybe, so maybe I'll try and bring a balance to it. 
When God spoke to Abraham, and you look at the Scriptures and all the times that God spoke to Abraham, there was very few times that it moved Abraham to emotion. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. It did move him to emotion. There were times that Abraham fell on his face. I'm not saying that, but there were times that it wasn't that way. But it always, when God spoke, moved Abraham to faith. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And so I want to say that this morning, because I want to bring the balance of it. Brother Roy, every time you shout, it just thrills my soul. You know, every time somebody gets a hold of the word and they get excited about it, I, it just thrills me. It just, I just think, oh, I'm glad that it moved them. There's times I shout, isn't there? Thank you. <laughs> I had to get some support on that. <laughs> I might not jump out of my seat, and you might not either. But if it moves you to faith, The Word of God brings you to a greater revelation of who you are. It brings you into a higher sphere of your walk with Jesus Christ. That you walk out of this place, or you walk out of some meeting, or you've done listening to a message or something, and you walk away from that, and you say, now I know how I'm going to defeat the devil. Devil, you've been lying to me. Listen, you're nothing but a liar to begin with. I recognize it now. Amen. There were times Job had to sit on the ash heap for days and weeks and however long he sat on that ash heap and he had to sit there and sit there and ponder and think about the things of God and he talked about the things of God and he meditated on the things of God. But there was one day he rose up off the ash heap and says, I know my Redeemer liveth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. God spoke to him. Hallelujah. So if you get emotional, praise God. If you don't get emotional, praise God. But if you walk out of here without having your faith increased, I don't care how much emotion you have or don't have. It doesn't make no difference. Physical exercise profiteth little, the Scripture says. We're not coming here for that. We're coming here that the Word would anchor in our souls and reveal to us our relationship in Jesus Christ. And I know you believe that. I'm just building a foundation because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Brother Branham said, uh, way back in 1951, he says, no matter how much I would pray for you being a sinner, my prayers might help you, my persuasion might help you, but I couldn't forgive one sin of yours. God has already did that. You have to accept it in Christ. When Jesus died, he saved everybody as far as God was concerned. 
for he paid the full price of human redemption. Now, don't think that I'm a universalist that believe everybody's saved and will be. I do not. No, sir. I believe that everybody was saved as far as God was concerned, for Jesus paid the full penalty for sin when he died. Now, it will never do you no good until you accept it. Okay? See? You have to accept it. And it's not how hard you cry, how much you beg, how much you persuade. It's a surrendered heart to God with faith, believing He has done it. He says, even our altar calls that we have in bringing people up around the altar, they didn't do that in the Bible time. That's a tradition of our people, originated formerly in the Methodist church. But look, it's a good thing. Did you catch that second statement? He said it was originated in the Methodist church, not in the Bible. He says, but it's a good thing. All right. He says, I don't like this dry-eyed repentance. I like to see somebody get up and really be sorry for what they've done and really mean it. But no matter how much you pray, you'll never be forgiven until you believe you're forgiven. Then you confess you are then live like you are. And no one will still know, no matter how much you cry, how much you pray, how much you shout, how many times you speak with tongues, or whatever you do, you're still not until the fruits of the Spirit bear record in you. In other words, when the Spirit comes into you, it bears fruit. It produces a life. It changes who you are because your nature has been changed. You cannot get away from a changed nature. Just the same as when you were born, you could not get away from an unbelieving nature. You could have lived in the best preacher's homes. You could have been the daughters of the pastor. You were born with an unbelieving nature. I'm sorry, Sister Joanne, Sister Linda, Sister Marilyn. You were born with an unbelieving nature. Born in the best home you could be in, under maybe the best parents that there could be in all of that. But in the midst of it all, they still needed to be born again. They could wrestle with it. The parents could guide them. They could, they could steer them in the right direction, put them in the right activities, keep them in church, keep an atmosphere in the home, all of those things. But they individually must be born again. Amen. There's no way around it. There must be a nature change because if there isn't a nature change, as soon as that individual gets out of that home, then what happens is they go where their nature is leading them. But if the nature has been changed to God's own nature, then when the church doors are open, the believers say, that's where I belong. That's my place. Where the Word is, they say, that's where I belong. Where their Bible's on the table open, that's where I belong. In their devotion with their families, that's where I belong. Amen. It's a reality of a nature within the individual that they cannot get away from. It's a reality. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not right and wrong. It's a nature that lives out within the individual. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 
So we, we say, as preachers, I'm sorry, Brother Murphy, if I'm going too fast, but just keep interpreting, all you interpreters up there. God bless you. Now, I don't believe that I'm Jonah crying out in the streets of Nineveh today. I just don't believe that. I'm not crying out, repent or perish. Even though, Brother Brown said, the message is always repent or perish. Okay? But it's not repent or perish to somebody who's already repented. Praise the Lord. How many times do we need to repent? There's, there is one repent. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're going to have a baptism again this morning. It's a, it's a wonderful thing how God just opens people's eyes. Maybe someone you're not expecting and says, I need to be baptized. I remember back in those days, in the early days, as, as I heard the message of the hour, baptism was not real to me. But the more that I fed on the Word, all of a sudden I realized, I need to be baptized. And it was about that time that my wife was realizing it too. I need to be baptized. We had been raised in church. We had been baptized in different groups and trinity and, and oneness and different ones. But, but when the revelation strikes you, it's God speaking to you. I need to be baptized. The revelation struck the eunuch one day as he was riding along with Philip as he was explaining who the Lamb of God was and how Christ had died for his sins and all of these things. Then the eunuch suddenly strikes the revelation and says, I have need to be baptized. Here's water. What does hinder us? And Philip says, nothing if you believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Philip, Andrew, I always get those two mixed up. I hope I got the right one. So, is it repent again, again, and again? Or does repentance lead to something? Hebrews 6 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And he goes on. All right? So let us go on unto perfection. You know, let us, what, what is that perfection? This is where I'm going to today. What is that perfection? You know, as much as Brother Branham, full of the Holy Ghost, a man, not just, not just filled, not just born again, but anointed for an office in this hour, is higher than any other office in this hour, the messenger to the age. And he, and he gets up in the service in several places. I'll just read one. He says, I don't, this is in Hebrews chapter 6 message. He says, I don't act clean and pure and holy to make myself a Christian, but Christ in me lives that in me. And I love him. And if I do anything wrong, it condemns me. And all the Christians said, he says, it condemns me. And right there, I say, God, forgive me. Every day, I've got to ask forgiveness. 
not just at Easter time, not just at Christmas time, not just before communion. Examine yourself. But every day, he says, I have to ask forgiveness. Why? Because of his nature. You can't get away from it when that nature's in you. And then he says, every day that, and he says, and he stops, he says, and you do too. Certainly you do. That, I know that doesn't make anybody stand up and shout. <laughs> but that's the truth. Because we're Christians. Because we've been changed. And unclean things condemn us. And we rub shoulder with the world. Because these, and because of that, things try to jump onto us. And we have to say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't avert my eyes fast enough. Lord, forgive me. I thought evil of that person. Lord, forgive me. Sometimes if you just take the thought of thinking evil of politicians, you have to ask God to forgive you every day. <laughs> forgive me, Lord. I shouldn't think like that. We're all on the same page. Let us go on unto perfection. That's something that goes beyond repentance is perfection, which is maturity, which actually is integrity. So when David says, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, a lot of times when we think of integrity, we think of the modern English idea of integrity. And that is that integrity is uprightness and, and standing for what's right and, and having a cause and, and making the right decisions or, or not, not deviating from that which is right. We, we sometimes view that as being what integrity means, but actually in the Hebrew, integrity doesn't necessarily mean that, at least not in a great way, but rather in the essence of the meaning, it means wholeness, as in you might describe uh, the integrity of the garment or the integrity of something was maintained. In other words, its, its wholeness or its entirety was held together. That's what integrity means, and that's the old English expression of that word, the old understanding of that word integrity. And so, but it's interesting that because there, there is an integrity, and, and, and David doesn't say it this way, Lord, help me to preserve my integrity. But rather, he says, let integrity preserve me. Let the wholeness that, I, that has come, and, and I'll spend some time now on this, but I just, I'll just maybe show you where I'm going that there is something that God does to the individual in the soul. There, there is a wholeness that comes. You're not partially redeemed, you're entirely redeemed. You're sealed till the day of your redemption. Your nature in your soul is not partially changed, so that it's partially faith and partially unbelief. No, it's entirely faith within the soul. 
And when that new birth takes place and that entirety of the soul realm becomes nothing but the characteristics of God, then you can stand before God and say, Lord, let that integrity preserve me. There's things that work on my flesh. There are things that work on my mind. But Lord, I know uh, that I know that I know that I've been changed. I know that there is a completeness that has come on the inward man. And let that integrity stand for me. We have a soul. There are many things that we cannot control. But we have a soul that has been redeemed and made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in particular, by faith in that blood. God saw your faith and accounted it unto you as righteousness. He has made you whole. Now, those of you who understand this term, don't let your minds go too far. I'm going to go some of those branches. But, you know, we, we realize that it's not our works. It's not, Lord, let my efforts preserve me. It's not our often prayers or emotion or our desires, and I'm speaking of natural, that, that preserve us. It's not our, our self-discipline that preserves us. It's not our ability to rise above the things of the world that preserves us. It's what happened within the soul. It's the wholeness, the integrity that God put there. God put it there. God came down. Like he came to the man that was by the pool of Bethesda. And just in the natural he says, Wilt thou be made whole? One day the word came by our way and said, Wilt thou be made whole? And I said, I will. I will, Lord. I'll be made whole. Yes, Lord, I believe this. I believe what you said happened in the Garden of Eden. I believe what Christ died for. I believe you sent a message. I will be made whole. You see, either we're sealed to the day of redemption or we're not. In every situation, Lord, let me stand on that. Let that preserve me. When the enemy is onslaughting me, I don't know if that's a word, onslaughting me, it is now, and coming against me from every angle, bombarding my mind, let integrity preserve me. I'll even go to the place where Brother Branham went where he says, even a person that loses their mind, if they've got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let integrity preserve me. If they lose their mind, that seal is sealed until the day of their redemption. The onslaught might come so hard on them that it causes their mind to break away. But if that wholeness stands there in the soul... It's not their mind preserving the wholeness. It's the integrity of the soul that preserves the individual. The prophet knew what he was talking about. He knew what extreme grief was when he lost his wife. He lost his daughter. He walked out of the hospital and the devil began to bombard his mind. You say he loves you and he won't heal your wife. 
And he wouldn't heal your daughter. He wouldn't even answer your prayers after all you'd done for him and everything that, that you, you labored and you stayed up late and you made a fool of yourself and you lost your... i tell you, he was under bombardment. You made a fool of yourself and all these things and everything that you've done and you say that he's a good God. How can he be a good God? How can you trust him as a God? Why? You can't even trust him. He's not a good God. And Brother Branham says, I was about to say, fighting it out in the mind realm. Well, if that's the way he's going to be, I'm not going to serve him. He says, but something came from the inside. (laughs) Hallelujah. Something came from that soul realm. And the word of God came forth. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I have nothing left in this life, he's still God. And I'm still his attribute. Though I lose everything, he's still God. He's worthy of all my praise. Though I never attained anything in my flesh, though I never attained anything in my spirit, still let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Is this doing you some good this morning? In every situation, let me stand on that. When I'm weak, let me stand there. Let integrity preserve me. When my flesh is weak like David's, let integrity stand there. When David was overwrought, I was thinking about someone preached on it recently, the, the, the families were taken captive. Talk about an opportunity for despair. You know, the, 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 they get back from the battle, hard battle. They get back from the battle, and nothing's left. Soldier returning home. The wife is gone. The family's gone. Not of their own choosing, but they got taken captive. And there he is standing there. It's a good time as any to give up. Amen? That's a good excuse to give up. But there was, I love David in his heart. Oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Hallelujah. Trust thou in the Lord. Hallelujah. He is my helper. He is my strength. The Bible says David began to encourage himself in the Word. He just began to look to the Lord. He said, well, let's go get it back. But we're wrought out. There was 200 of them that just couldn't make it. And and they just said, oh, we just don't have the strength, David. He says, but we're going to take them back. We're going to overcome. We're going to be victorious. If there ever was a time for them to doubt David, that was a good time. If there ever was a time to doubt his anointing, that would have been a good time. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's gone you know, David's no longer a leader. I guess this is proof of it. No, it wasn't proof of nothing. The soul began to rise up. Amen. David began to cry out unto the Lord. David says in Psalms 31, he says, I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. Well, I got to say it. You might not want me to preach anymore, but... Some of you may not like me for this one. They have at the prayer meeting a board. 
On the board, they have a name of a lot of children. And on that board is the name of some of my children who are not serving God the way that they ought to. And they're, they're subjects of prayer. And I begin to look at that board, and I just begin to say, lying vanities. I sing a song that we all sing, it's already done. It's already done. It's all, I know. Because I didn't put my children's name on that board. Somebody else did. God bless them. They're praying for my children. I appreciate that. But never, nevertheless, I begin to look at them and say, I, I don't represent what's on that board. That there's some, something that needs to happen. I say it's already done. Otherwise, I sing that song in hypocrisy. My family is sealed. Ever sang that song? My family is sealed. It's already done. Why? Because I'm not looking at the lying vanities. I'm looking at the realities of God's promise. I'm not looking at the way they look. And I might be looking for opportunity. As Brother Branham said, my prayers is not going to save them. But nevertheless, my prayers might help them. My admonition might help them. My encouragement might help them. And and like any father or mother, you're always looking for an opportunity to say the right thing, to do the right thing. You're looking to the Lord. Lord, is there anything I've left undone? Somebody's talked about it recently, turning over every stone. That's a good way to look at it. Is there any stone that's unturned, Lord? But yet in the midst of all of that, I have to confess, I'm sorry, it's already done. I'm not here about woe is me. I'm, like I said, I'm sorry if that hurts people's feelings. But that's the way I have to see it. I can only see it the way I see it. Is that it's already done. You see, when, when Hannah went to, I don't know why I'm stuck on this one. When Hannah went to the tabernacle and prayed year after year, but one year, the, something happened, and she realized it's already done. She went from there satisfied, and God changed the situation. Amen. I just believe it's already done. How many believe your children are going to make it? It's already done. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about fatalism here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a fatalistic person that, well, oh, well, whatever happens, what happens? Uh Uh-uh. I am the representation of the Word in their life until they recognize who they are. But they are who they are. And Jesus died for them. Amen. Listen, folks, everybody's got their battles. But David said, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my troubles. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Thou hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Same song. 
It says, mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of my iniquity and my bones are consumed. Now on the one hand, he says, I hate them that regard lying vanities. And on the other hand, he's saying, Lord, I got all these troubles. They're a reality. What you're going through is a reality. This is not mind over matter. This is not just be positive and confess the positive. We do confess the positive. We do confess the promise. But in the midst of it all, we recognize that there must be something on the inside of the inside that's holding us in the face of all adversities. In the face of all troubles. Even this 23rd Psalm David writes, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside still waters. The next line, some of you know it. He restoreth my soul. Hallelujah. He brings me back to the place that I belong. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws against me. He's the one that keeps me. He's the one that has anchored me. He is the one that has birthed me. He is the one that has empowered me. He is the one that has given me the key to the situation. He is the one that is doing the work in my life. Though my flesh fail me, though my mind fail me, integrity will not fail me. It shall preserve me. Amen. That's the confession of every believer. This completeness, this integrity, this perfection of the whole. Job, when God looked at Job, he wasn't looking at the flesh. He says, look at Job. What do I see in Job? He's a perfect man. He's a man in completeness. He's a man with integrity. He's a man that escheweth evil. And he challenged Satan on him. And Satan says, oh, it's because you put a hedge about him. And what did God say? Okay, I'll take the hedge away. It's not the hedge that is keeping Job. It's the integrity that is keeping Job. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the perfection of the inside of the inside. The full age, the maturity of a man. The lamb had to be without blemish. That was Jesus Christ. Or whole. The sacrifice was whole. That was the perfection of Jesus Christ, a perfect sacrifice without spot and without blemish. It's not just that he never made a mistake, but it's that he was the fullness of the Word dwelling in flesh. Catch what I said there. I better stop here now and quit shouting and just talk. The sacrifice was not just perfect in purity. It was perfect in integrity or wholeness. He was the full measure of the Word. So Satan could not say it was an incomplete sacrifice. Oh sure, he never made a mistake, but it was incomplete. No, he was the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily in flesh. All that was in God, he poured into Christ. He was everything. 
And so that sacrifice was the fullness of it. Now, to be made whole means to be brought to the fullness of it. To be made whole, which is integrity, means to be brought to its completion. Your soul, your flesh, many times. You just look at the times Brother Brown used the term made whole. He talked about the man by the pool. He talked about the woman with the blood issue. He talked about many different situations. Many times he talked to a, a person right in the prayer line, wilt thou be made whole? Or he'd send them on and say, go your way and be made whole. All right? He's talking about the natural realm, the flesh realm, the body being restored to its position that it's meant to be in. Maybe somebody had cancer eating at them, making the body less than it was meant to be. Go your way and be made whole. Or somebody with tuberculosis, or somebody that was deaf, or somebody that was losing their eyesight, or blind, or be made whole. The Lord Jesus, he says oftentimes, has made you whole. And, and so he's, he's describing the bringing of the body back to its full potential. But now we're talking not about the body, we're talking about the soul. When the Holy Spirit comes into your soul, it makes you whole. As the sacrifice was whole or perfect, so also the recipients of the benefits of the sacrifice are made whole. And as Brother Bradham said, you cannot receive the benefit of that atonement unless you accept the atonement. I'll come into that in just a little bit, maybe sooner than I think. You've been made whole. In your soul, you stand in perfection. Are you with me? Do you realize where you're standing? You might say, Brother Tim, this body is nothing but trouble for me. Paul said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. Is that right? He's the apostle Paul, the messenger to the first age. This one thing I've discovered, in my flesh dwells no good thing. Okay. Well, let's go to the mind realm. I won't go to the day because the day isn't over yet. So let's go to the week. How many of you never thought a bad thought this week? Put your hand up. I'm waiting. Nobody put their hand up. Why? Because that's not where we're made whole. But the new birth has put something on the inside of the inside that as the sacrifice is without blemish, so the soul is without blemish. Hallelujah. I stand perfect in His sight. You can't see the real me. You can see the flesh. You can hear my mistakes. You can see words that I make up as I speak and whatever more, incorrect language and incorrect grammar and whatever more it might be. You might see that as the days go by, I wouldn't do that the way Tim does that. And, you know, I think there's a better way to do that. That, that ver may very well be true, but on the inside of the inside, God looks at you and says, there's a perfect man. Yeah. 
there's a perfect woman. There's a woman, a man that has accepted my atonement and been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's my nature walking in those tabernacles of flesh. Hallelujah. Oh, the devil looks at the individual. Oh, I got a trap laid up for him just down the road here. They got a weakness right in this area in their flesh or in their mind. And I got it laid up for them so that when they make one more step, you know, they're going to stumble. And down they're going to go. But there's something on the inside that inside says, Lord, forgive me. I didn't see that. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, Lord. I was trapped into it. I didn't see that coming. Forgive me. You know what I've been praying about more than anything lately? Pride. Lord, forgive me my pride. Lord, forgive me when I feel lifted up as though I'm a somebody. Lord, forgive me that I even think I got anything to say. Lord, I'm so sorry. Who am I anyway? I'm nothing of the nothings. And when we get on the other side, we're going to be amongst a bunch of know-it-nothings, Brother Branham says. Not a bunch of know-it-alls who claim to have the answer. And forgive me, Lord, if I ever appear to say or to think that I have all the answers, I don't. But this one thing I say, let integrity preserve me. Oh, Lord, let that wholeness that my soul has come to, let it preserve me, oh, God. Let that integrity, let, let me give myself completely over to you. Let me be surrendered to you to that purpose that you made my life in, because that's the integrity. Let me not be ashamed means let my soul come to its purpose. Let nothing stop that soul from manifesting the fullness of itself. Listen, you, those of you that have been educated, now if you got the new birth, then you know what education is all about, but maybe there's somebody here that's been educated that doesn't have the new birth and doesn't realize your education is taking you possibly away from your purpose in life. And you'll never be satisfied. And, and, and I was reading the other day about somebody that said, I already knew it, but somebody that said, you know, I, I, I went to Hollywood and I became an actor and, and I became popular and all these kind of things. And I found out the higher you got in Hollywood, there's nothing there. It's like, well, yeah. But, you know, we, we know that by the word of God. But this is the world we're talking about. They think, oh, this is the answer. If I just do this, if I just do that. No, the only answer is when your soul comes in position with its creator. Becomes one with him. And I'll read you the quote here in a little bit. Becomes one with him. Then you can say, let integrity preserve me. Then you can say, let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. I better move forward now. He says, in perfect faith, he says, the only thing you have to do then is have faith in what you are. Have faith in what the word says you are. And Jesus had faith in the word of God that said what he was. It's written of me. Didn't David in the Psalms and the prophets and all of them speak of him? I am the bread of life that come down from God out of heaven. Amen. I am that tree of life from the Garden of Eden. I am all these things. I am that I am. And he knew with that a perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah and that the Spirit of God was upon him. Jesus had perfect faith. He had it. And it come because he was the Word. And you become the word as you receive the word. 
There's only one place that's going to, one thing rather that's going to take you to your purpose in life. That's the word. He says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask what you will, it shall be done. And if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt, but believe that what you said, you shall have what you said. When you pray, believe that you receive what you ask for and you shall have it. It shall be given unto you. Time, space, Nothing else will ever change it. You know it's done. It's already over with. Amen. 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 I believe that with all my heart. God must respond to a prayer that's asked by faith in what the Word says we are. It activates the supernatural. Then it adds depth to the Word when God says to Abraham, at that time still Abram in Genesis 17. Abram was 90 and 9 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I say amen. amen. Walk before me and be complete. Walk before me and receive integrity. Be brought to the place. That's why God had to change his name, because Abraham believed God. God said, I'm the strength giver. I'm the one who pours in strength. Abraham, don't try and do this on your own strength. Abraham, you're 99 years old. Brother Branham labors on this at great length. I, I hope you've heard Brother Branham speak on this. It's tremendous. And, and so as he begins to, you know, just talk about uh, El Shaddai means the breasted God. And as a baby nurses its strength from its mother, God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, you're weak as a baby. You need to nurse your strength from me. I say, amen. amen. I can't, I, I pray that more than ever before. Lord, I'm weak and I need you to strengthen me. If you don't pray that way, you need to. Lord, I'm not relying on my own strength. I'm relying on your strength. Amen. Amen. To be perfect, we need to walk before him. That's exactly what Job was saying when he says, if I justify my own mouth, shall con if I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul, I would despise my life. I'm not the judge of my own completion my completeness rather, but he is my judge. Let integrity preserve me. Can I go a little further? I'll try not to keep you too long. I know we have a baptism this morning. Integrity and uprightness are my watchtowers. I don't watch over them, they watch over me. They keep me, I don't keep them. If we don't have it, we're in danger of falling. Healing is not my watchtower. Deliverance is not my watchtower. Victory, conquering is not my watchtower, but integrity is my watchtower. That completeness that God puts in the individual. The word being brought to a perfect faith in me by revelation. That's my watchtower. He's 
making me whole. David says, he restoreth my soul, as I already quoted. But he, then he goes further. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He, the anointed word, restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness, integrity, and uprightness. He restoreth my soul. He leads me. Not anywhere, but in the paths of righteousness. We speak from wholeness. We speak from restoration. We speak from maturity. We speak from being made complete. In an age that is crumbling and falling apart, we are not crumbling and falling apart because we have a preservation. When this crumbling age was shown to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream that was interpreted by Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, I think it is. And he, as he began to describe that, yes, it was chapter 2, and he describes the great civilization of Nebuchadnezzar, he says, it was a fine gold. The head of the image was fine gold. Then he describes the, the great kingdom of of, of uh, I think the Medes and the Persians, it was at the breast uh, and the arms was of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, describing the kingdom of the Grecians through Daniel, uh, through uh, Alexander and all of that. I won't, you know, history is irrelevant, but then he begins to describe the, the bottom part of the image, the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. We know that the iron is the Roman kingdom which will last right to the end time. Not pagan Rome, but papal Rome. And he says, the iron, the clay, the brass, and the silver, and the gold were broken into pieces. Because you, you Nebuchadnezzar, you saw until a stone was cut out without hands. What is stone? It's revelation. A revelation was sent from God in the last days. And it smote the image in the feet. And the image began to crumble. You are actually seeing the effects of this message on this civilization. This message was not sent to restore this civilization. This message was sent to make this civilization crumble by the weakness that it already has. Because the iron and the clay cannot mix. And it's this, uh, this stone that was hewed out of the mountain smote the image in its feet in the last days. And in this day, it's, it begins to crumble. It begins to fall apart. It begins, to, capitalism begins to fall apart. Governments begin to fall apart. Economics begins to fall apart. Communism begins to fall apart. Socialism begins to fall apart. It all begins to fall apart. But in the midst of it all, there's another kingdom rising up. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is within you. Let integrity preserve me. In the midst of all of it, there's a people that have been birthed by the word of God. And they cannot crumble. Hallelujah. 
They cannot, it's not you keeping yourself. They cannot crumble because they have the very nature of that stone residing in their souls. Hallelujah. A stone that was hewed out without hands. And this civilization will blow away, the Bible says, like the chaff on the summer threshing floors. The wind will carry them away. And the stone that smote the image, the revelation of this hour, the the mystery of God revealed, that has come into your souls and made you whole, he says that stone became a great mountain. A new Jerusalem, perhaps? And filled the entire earth. Hallelujah. Who is it? It's God bringing us back to the fullness of who we are. Are you still with me? I'm not even done yet. I feel like I'm halfway there. But don't worry, I'm not going to keep you twice this long. That's all good. That's all wonderful. That's who we are. And we can rejoice in that. But what does that mean to us individually? What does that mean now? As we, as we try and bring this to a close. I love when David says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul. After thee, O God. Sometimes my flesh doesn't feel like worshiping. Sometimes my spirit does not feel like worshiping. But my soul longs for more of you, O God. There's a yearning within my soul. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And then he, 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 I'll go jump down to a later verse. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Why art thou disquieted? Hope thou yet in God. What is, what is he referring to here? I just have to go to a statement. I have, to, I have to spend some time on this now because I just felt very, that this would be very important for somebody. Will you bear with me for five, ten minutes? Amen. Brother Branham has asked a question now. 1962, he says, I live many, the person says, I lived many years in sin until I found the Lord. Please, Brother Branham, I have sinned again. I'm not worthy to come before you in this holy place. Please tell me if I can be restored holy again. Please help me, Brother Branham. I have a devil in me. Help me. Will you lay your hands upon me and restore me again? My, hear the cry of that person. They're in a bad shape. They've done something. They feel like they got a devil. And they, they need to be restored and be made holy, restored holy again. All right. Brother Branham says, he says, you have not sinned, my friend, so far in God, but what you could be restored. 
If you had sinned so far that you could not be restored, you'd never want to be restored. But as long as there's something dealing with your heart, you're still in the line for restoration. He says, guilty of the least is guilty of the whole. I have sinned many times. Every day, each one of us do things that we don't want to do. There's that theme again. He says, you don't want to be that way or you wouldn't ask the question. He says, that itself is a proof that God is still dealing with you. You're probably gotten nervous because Satan is telling you that you can't be restored. All right, so now he's exposing the tricks of the devil. The person, the soul is crying out for restoration, but the person in their mind, the mind is where the battleground is. He says, the devil's telling you, you can't be restored. That's why you have a question, can I be restored? He says, and I'm telling you, even if you have a question, can you be restored? You can be restored because it's God dealing with you. Because if God wasn't dealing with you, there wouldn't be a question. All right. So he says, he goes on, he says, now as long as you're wanting wanting and hungering to get back to God, there's a God somewhere calling to you. Hallelujah. So even in your lowest moment, where you feel the furthest away from God and you feel like you've made your worst mistake, but you say, oh, I wish I could get back to God. That's God calling you home. Glory to God. That's Him making Himself known. That's His voice. It may not be a fire. It may not be an earthquake. It may not be a mighty wind, but it's the voice of God meeting you at the entrance to the cave. He says there's got to be somewhere or you would have no hunger for it. It talks about deep calling to the deep. He says, now as long as you're wanting and hungering to get back to God, there's a God somewhere calling to you. Or you wouldn't be hungering. There's a creator. Is a creator calling somebody this morning? He says, it goes to show that you only fell from grace. Backsliding's not lost. I want somebody to tell me where backsliding's lost and prove it to the Bible. I got quiet pretty fast, didn't it, Brother Tom? Backslider's not lost. He's just out of fellowship. Israel backslid, but they never lost their covenant. They lost their praises and their joy. He says, David lost the joy of his salvation when he took Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, but he never lost his salvation. He said, restore unto me. He never said, restore to me my salvation. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Amen. Amen. There's a place every predestinated seed wants to be. Let integrity preserve me. He says, oh, there's so much legalism today. The touch not, taste not. You don't do these things legally. I don't come to church tonight legally. I feel tired. I've been nervous. I'm upset. I'm wondering about something that's out before me. My heart's burning, even as such, as much till my heart's fluttering. I got a cramp, pain, right at this minute, just shooting back and forth, up and down through here, weak, nervous, trembly, catch a hold here and squeeze, got my toes squeezed up in my shoes. 
Anybody ever heard Brother Branham preach and think these words? I bet he's got a pain. I bet his toes are squeezed up in his shoes. I bet he's really suffering right now. No, we never think that. All we hear is the Word of God speaking. We say amen to the Word of God. We don't look at the man. We don't look at the vessel. We look at the Word of God that's coming forth. He says, why did I come? Because I love God. Live or die, I must stand here for him. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I know there's been times Brother Thomas stood here in a lot of pain and preached to us. I say, God bless him for that. But he didn't do it for us. And he didn't do it because he had to do it. I believe he did it because he loved the Lord. I believe that with my heart. Nobody gets up in here. My wife knows. She's not sitting in the congregation today. She must be in the nursery so I can talk about her. Turn the sound off in there for a minute. She knows I said, was it last night or this morning? It was last night. I don't want to preach tomorrow. I really don't. I really don't. I, I just, believe me, I was tempted. Brother Tom. But here I am. We don't stand here because we want to be here. He says, why did I come then? Because I love God, live or die. I must stand here for him. This helped me. I thought, I must stand here for you, Lord. If you can do something for one individual, let me stand here and just use it. Just use it for your glory. He says, he wouldn't care whether I did or not. If I die, I'd go to heaven anyhow. Why? Because I'm sealed to the day of my redemption. Sure. He says, but I'm coming because I love him. You serve God because you love him. Not because you got to do it, because you love him enough. I'm going to skip, skip over parts here because it just would be too long otherwise. He says, and then he says to the person asking the question, he says, you love the Lord with all your heart. You don't have to worry about these things. If you made a mistake, you don't sin willfully. You just done something wrong, see? You slipped back. You was here in fellowship. You've dropped back down in this muss down here again. He goes on a little bit later. He says, and he begins to talk about an eagle. And I love this story, that I've, but I've preached on it before, so I'm not going to preach on it. But he talks about the eagle in the cage. And he says, he, says he would just try and, and get himself up and running and, and try and get out of the cage. He'd fly against the edge of the cage and he'd fall down. Because all he knew was his own strength. All he knew was his ability to fly. And he would run into the cage. Something had caged him. Some smart man had trapped him. And he was in a zoo now and he couldn't get out of the zoo. Couldn't fly out of the cage. Was trapped. You know, the, the devil sometimes knows how to trap even believers, even eagles. And he didn't know how. But Brother Branham makes a statement that I just love because it reflects the heart of God. He says, he'd lay there with weary looking eyes and look up towards the sky. That's where I belong. That's my home. That's where I was born for. Look, between me and there is a cage. And well, the only thing I know, if I put my mind to it, here I come, and bang, he'd go right back again. And I thought, oh, isn't that terrible? I wish they'd sell him to me. I'd pawn my Ford and buy him just to turn 
him loose. Brothers and sisters, somebody paid for you. You were an eagle in a cage, but somebody paid the price of redemption. That you didn't have to stay in the cage. Somebody went in there and opened the door and took you out and sent his word by your way. Here's the key, as Murphy preached, to the door to the cage. I put it in your hands. Do you want to be free? Don't try it by your own strength. You just fly against the side of the cage. You'll just bloody yourself. You just make a mess of yourself. Don't try and do it on your own strength. But take the key that I give you. Take the wisdom of the ages that has come down in the last days and apply it in your life. As simple as it seems, apply it in your life. It's a key so you can fly free. Because you were meant to be an eagle. You were meant to fly out of that cage. Hallelujah. So Brother Branham goes on. He says, Yes, brother, sister, whoever wrote this, if you have fallen down here, that don't mean you're lost. You're just an eagle that got into a pen, that's all. You're caged up down here in sin again. You don't want to be there. That's the reason you're looking upward. You say, oh, brother Branham, I once lived up there. Is there a way here? Yes. You may think you're tied, brothers and sisters, brother, sister, whoever wrote this question, you may think the devil's got you tied down there, but he's lying. Listen, I don't know who this is for. This is for somebody. There was one time a man come to earth, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He untied you. Don't you believe it? You don't have to stay down there. No, sir, you're free. That's right. He died in your place to take away your sins. You just believe on him, flop your wings, and fly away with the rest of them. Don't stay in that pit of the devil. Then he, then he goes back to the question. Now will you lay your hands on me and free from that? Dear sister dear or brother dear, sure, I'd lay hands on you, but that wouldn't free you. What would free you is to understand that you're already free. Yeah. Hallelujah. Then, then if you're already free, what ought you to do? Rejoice. Yeah. Be happy. Yeah. Serve God. You're already free. He says, you're already untied. You don't have to worry about being free. You're already free. Jesus made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You're free as you can be. You don't have to be tangled up. Laying hands on you is just a tradition. We might do that. Well, I could do that. But that still wouldn't set you free until you accept what he done for you. That's just me saying, Lord, I believe it. See, that's what laying on hands is. He's saying, he says, but I can lay hands on you. That doesn't set you free until you accept he has set you free. Amen. He says, well, th well, then lay your hands by faith upon him. The woman touched the hem of his garment and was made whole. Lay your hands on him and say, Lord, I believe. Up you come. And that's what you said here. I've fallen. I'm sinned. I'm dead wrong. Is there a chance for me to be whole again? Absolutely. The minute that you desire it 
shows that God dropped the lifeline down for you to pick up. Just raise up upon his lifeline of faith and prayer and move right up into the rest of the eagles like that. Hallelujah. He says, just go to flopping away. Amen. Maybe we'll ask the musicians to come on that point. Come musicians and we'll we'll bring this to a close. You've been restored. The word has come to you. If, there's a de- if you're a sinner, if there's the simplest desire in your heart to be free, it's because God has made you free. And he wants you to accept it. To a son or daughter of God that's been birthed by the Spirit of God, is standing in the presence of God and, and just says, you know, all I know is I'm going through a bunch of battle. Brother Tim, I'm going through this trial. I'm going through this. Don't look at your trial. Don't look at lying vanities. Don't look at that. Look to the Word of God. As, as Jonah looked to the temple, being in, the, in the, the whale's belly, the fish's belly, looking at lying vanities, and as he said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Is that right? So we don't observe lying vanities. We don't put our eyes upon these things. Yeah, they're real. Just as real as when Jonah was in the the belly of the whale. They're real. But yet in the midst of that, there's something on the inside that says, I don't have to look at those things. I can look at the promise of the Word of God and say, let integrity and uprightness preserve me. One more quote. You can play uh, the song, He Hideth My Soul in the Key of C, please. He says, in future home, let's stand to our feet. It says, heavens and earth have met. God and man is reconciled. A restored Eden has begun. All the curse is gone. Just like the curse of sin is gone when the Holy Ghost accepts you. You don't accept it. It accepts you. Because it's God's attribute. See, if the Holy Ghost means God's Spirit and it's the attribute, the thought of God has accepted you because you were ordained for that purpose. See, yet you was born in sin, but God had that attribute. And here you expressed yourself here on the earth, and He comes down and gets you. See, you're back there. You're back here. Here's where you belong. See, sin's lost its power. Amen. That's right. The desire of sin has gone from your heart when the Holy Spirit comes in. You are a restored person. Hallelujah. Let integrity preserve me. When I was born again, He restored me. I don't care what battle I'd been through since that time, as Brother Branham said, every day. I don't care what mistakes I've made. I mean, I care. 
but it doesn't offend me. It doesn't tell me I was lost. No, I know I was changed back there. I underwent a nature change. And the things that I once loved, I love no more. And the mistakes that I've made, have I made mistakes with my children? I sure have. Have I made mistakes with my wife? I sure have. Have I made mistakes in, my, in other things, I suppose? Have I even said things across the pulpit that might not be exactly correct? I know I have. And in some cases, I've gone back and made them right because I felt they were major enough that they ought to be corrected. But in the midst of all that, I look back to the beginning. I said, something happened here. And I say, no matter what I go through in this life, and there are men and women that have gone through depths. Brother Branham, coming to the end of his ministry, all the doors closed. All the churches didn't want him. The, the congregations got smaller. The meetings got smaller. All those kind of things. What was happening? He was coming to the climax of his ministry. Let integrity preserve me. Paul, at the end of his ministry, penning the gospel to the churches, writing the letters. Where was he? In a nice home, in a nice office, at a nice desk with a nice comfortable chair? No, he was in a prison. Timothy, when you come, bring the parchments. I have need of them. I got to write on them. I got this burden to send out this, this revelation to the churches. Because if even an angel come and preaches any other gospel, let them be accursed. I know what my commission is. What was he doing? Coming to the climax of his ministry. Let integrity preserve me. You're born here for a purpose. You've been quickened for a purpose. You may not fully understand your purpose, but let integrity preserve you. Let me finish this statement here Brother Branham makes. Sin's lost its power. That's right. The desire of sin is gone from your heart when the Holy Spirit comes in. You are a restored person. And when the earth is restored by the same thing, there can be no more cursing, no more storms, no more winds, no more typhoons. Rather, you're reconciled. And then he makes a statement. He says, God, or man and God has met. See, Brother Bram, Brother Bram said there'd be no more typhoons. Yeah, he's talking about here. There's no more storm in here. There's no doubt. There's no fears. Oh, out here the storm is raging. In this world, the storms, that devil is howling. He's against this revelation. He's trying to disrupt it with everything that he can. But that doesn't move me. Let integrity preserve me. Let the wholeness, the restoration, the fullness that he has done Hold me still. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He
the next verse. Those that are preparing for baptism can make ready. And we'll just sing and worship God. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. That shadows of a barren land, saints. It's a dry land out there, and it's getting worse. You know, Brother Branham talks about it. You, you re referenced the quote, Brother Tom, when Russia go da goes down to get the oil. He didn't say Middle East. We always assumed it was Middle East. Uh, he didn't say Ukraine either. He just says goes down to get the oil. But you know what he said just before that? This is 1951, I think. And uh, he says, I want you to know this is the best the church will ever have it. This is the best that this generation will ever be. Not the best the church, talking about Revelation, but the best treatment. He says, there's coming a religious persecution. He says, it will get gradually, and then he stops himself. He says, no, it will quickly get worse and worse until we've arrived at this hour. Has it got worse? Where he talks about a sodomite law in the land. You can't hardly say what's right anymore and not be thrown in prison for it. It's become an evil time for the church of the living God. But he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. Are you glad for that this morning? A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord.
for that. Amen. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts.
Hallelujah. Amen. We'll just pause for the baptism. You may have your seats. Well, this is uh, Brother Gary and um, his uh, sister Tracy's, uh, my wife's uh, brother-in-law. And you probably haven't seen him much uh, in the service. Uh, he's a chef. So uh, uh, when you're working in a Chinese restaurant, you work like a slave. <laughs> so he's a chef in the Chinese restaurant, and he has to work in, uh, from 10 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And uh, the only day off is on Tuesday. So that basically, the devil has cut off all the day that he can come to the service. But you know, God still has a way to save a person. And when your life changed, that makes a really difference. When they saw the life-changing experience of something that caused the desire that's uh, in the Tracy's uh, brother-in-law's life. And actually, it's been uh, uh, more than two some years, and he's already desire for baptism. So when he first mentioned to me, I said to Carrie, I said, um, uh, why don't we just wait a little bit? Uh, you'll go to listen to the message. Uh, uh, just um, uh, reading the, the Bible. So that's what he did. So every night after he got off from the work, and him and uh, Tracy's sister, after 10 o'clock, get back to the work, get back to our home. He started reading the Bible and the listening to the message. Hallelujah. And that's about a two years of time. And just uh, last Thursday, when we have the Bible study, and uh, uh, Carrie said, I want to be baptized. I've been waiting for two years. I want to be baptized. Uh, I believe all you love and all that love you. God said, I give it unto you. May this be a sign to every father, every mother, and every brother and sister. All you love and all that love you. I give it along to you. Hallelujah. I just want to read a little quote. Shall we do it on In a quote, God hides himself in simplicity. But Abraham said, God doesn't make things complicated. Of, some, of so many rosaries and so many this and join this and so much education, so much theology, is that we got ourselves farther and farther away from God all the time by doing so. God is in simplicity. He doesn't make things complicated for you. No matter you're young or old, God makes things especially simple. But you need to have a simple heart just to believe Him. He said, today we're so scientifically till we can tell how many molecules it takes to make an atom, how many electrons and so forth, and split that atom and tell you how it is done make an atomic bomb, and then we can explain how we done it, but walk over a blade of grass that we cannot explain. And I'm so glad to carry, walk over, and walk into this message, walk in, in, in this church. He didn't walk over it. He said, it's something I need to have. God in simplicity. God manifested himself in simplicity. He makes himself simple. It's so that a wise will not understand. Jesus said, I thank thee, Father, thou hast hide this from the wise and the prudent and revealed it to babes such as will learn. Don't never try to educate yourself to God. When you do, you educate yourself away from God. 
See, God is not known by education. God is known by faith. And the first stroke that the devil took was on the educational program. A man lost his fellowship with God. That's exactly. He must know God by faith, not what he can explain, by what he believes that he can't explain. And that's the soul described to Carrie. That is his life. He said, I don't know very much. And Carrie cannot even speak in English. I asked if he can have anything that he can, uh, he want to speak. He said, no. He said, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, but he believed God is the truth. And he wants to believe this message. And I want to say, not only to Carrie, but to all of us, God is not learned by education, but God is believed by faith. If we can believe him, all things are possible. And in the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 2, 38, it says, Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized at every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what I shared with my uh, can I call it my brother-in-law too? <laughs> That's what I shared with him. And we uh, went through that uh, the last night and, and uh, many, many times about the, the scripture. And God has done the great works that in his heart and he desired for God. He wanted the Holy Ghost to fill him. I told Carrie, I said, it's not you how much you learn, it's how much you believe. When you believe God, and then his Holy Spirit starts to uh, living inside of you, feel you, and you will know God. And I just pray, may the Lord reveal himself Amen. to Brother Carey and the field, Brother Carey, with his own life. And I told him, I said, you will see old Carey baptized into the water, but there will be a new Carey, which is not his own life anymore, but it's the life of Jesus Christ living inside of him. Amen. 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 That is uh, just power. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, maybe he doesn't understand much of the words that we're saying. But Lord, he understands that your word has a set to him. Lord, you have a set to him word by word. Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For his sin shall be remitted. Lord, and then you will fill him with your Holy Spirit, which is your life. I pray, Lord, as I baptize him in your name, Lord, we can baptize him in the water, but Lord, you can fill him with your own life. Lord, I pray that the old life be buried in the water, but that a new life of Jesus Christ filled in him. Lord, that that is a life that will be completely changed, completely transformed, so that he can say, it is not me live anymore, but it's Jesus Christ living inside of me. We thank you, Lord. Baptizing him with your fire. Baptizing him with your life, with your Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory. Amen.
so excited as it is. I'm so excited. As the Lord Jesus, I love you so much. It is well with my soul. Let's stand together. When
last verse. Let's bow our heads together. I preached this morning about the believer's assurance. Sons and daughters of God, sealed by the Holy Ghost. I preached to backsliders. If you're a backslider this morning, but you have a desire for God, it's because He's calling you. That's God speaking to you. If you're a sinner this morning and don't know this, integrity that stands within the believer's heart, you can. The recipe is simple. You heard Brother Murphy quote it this morning in the waters of baptism. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the restoration of your soul. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. As our heads are bowed, I wonder if there would be one person here that would just want to raise their hand and say, Lord, I hear your voice this morning. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your, what your walk is like. I don't care what you're going through. But you just want to say, yes, Lord, I'm answering you this morning. Lord, this is my faith I'm raising my hand in. You spoke, and I'm responding. Take me, Lord, as yours. Let everything be under the blood. I'm confessing my faults. I'm standing with my assurance. I'm accepting the blood of the Lamb this morning. I'm wanting, Lord, to accept what Christ has done for me. Heavenly Father, we're gathered in your great presence this morning, Lord. You alone can quicken the soul of the hero, God. We have spoke your word under your unction. And Lord, by the hands that are raised, we can see that it has moved lives. It has touched individuals. And they've recognized, Lord, that it's not the philosophy of a man. Lord, it is the word of God. And Lord, you have ministered unto them that they might receive this morning. I pray, Lord, if there be a sinner here this morning and they've got their hand raised and say, Lord, I accept what Jesus Christ has done for me. Lord, you said you would come in and you would recognize their repentance and you would forgive them of all of their sins, oh God. Lord, I pray if there be a backslider here this morning that the devil was trying to convince there was no way back. Maybe it's out on the internet. I don't know. But Lord, may the words of the devil be vanquished this morning, O oh God. You have spoken to them, O oh Lord, saying, I am calling you. I'm telling you you're one of mine. You cannot lose one, O oh God, but you have called them to eternal life. Even now, Lord, let every doubt fade away. Let every fear fade away. Let the quickening of the Holy Spirit raise them up as they flap their wings and fly free from captivity of this age. In the name of Jesus Christ, may they be free. Freedom is not in a war. Freedom is not in democracy. Freedom is in Jesus Christ. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, let freedom come into every life, I pray. Lord, we rejoice. And we say, as David said, let integrity and uprightness preserve us, O God. And the onslaught, well, no matter what happens around about us, we stand anchored behind the veil 
in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your goodness. We commit all to you in Jesus Christ's name. We love you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. How we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, Lord, but Lord, tis for thee, for thy can stand here this morning and say, it's well with my soul. It doesn't matter if you've been following the Lord for 50 years, it's well with my soul. Or five minutes, it's well with my soul. The moment you accept what Christ has done for you, confessing your sins in the blood of the Lamb, it is well with your soul. Hallelujah. God bless you. Has he been good to us? God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. Service is dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ.